Jim starts talking about it. I could literally see Andrew and Chris levitating out of their seats. Yeah. They start leaning in. And then Jim takes the glass of water off the table. And he's like, and if I dumped it on here, and they're like, would, would it just repel? And he's like, yeah, it would. And then he puts the water back down. And everyone at the table is like, dump the water, dump the water. I'm Jim Huffman, and this is If I Was Starting Today a collection of conversations about half-baked startup ideas, growth tactics, and stories from founders, including my own journey as a business owner. All of the content is centered around one question. What would you do if you were starting today? Hey there, welcome to another episode of If I Was Starting Today. I'm your host, Jim Huffman, and today we're diving into something truly special. This might be my highlight of the year, maybe the decade, I don't know. I had an incredible chance to spend 90 minutes with none other than billionaire Andrew Wilkinson and his business partner, Chris Sparling. These are the guys behind Tiny, a fund that's got its hands at over 80 companies. They started as MetaLab, a design agency, started making really good money, and then wanted to be the Berkshire Hathaway of the internet and bought up companies. And now they have over 80 and they're publicly traded on the Canadian Stock Exchange. And guess what? I got the chance, I got the golden ticket, thanks to some founder friends in my EO group to meet them in person. So here's here's how it went down. We hopped on a prop plane, leaving Seattle to go to Victoria. That was a near-death experience in itself. We'll talk about it. We made it to Victoria, and that's where it all went down. We got to go to their headquarters, which is actually a mansion on the water. And then we got to have a private meeting with them and a lunch. And part of the meeting is confidential, so we can't hit on everything, but there's plenty that we can we can get into. And joining me to talk about it are my two friends from my entrepreneurship group, Adam and Adon. These aren't just buddies. These are founders that have high seven-figure companies. We're going to break down everything from this idea of shooting your shot and how what it takes to meet somebody, lessons learned from talking with Andrew and Chris, and finally, how I might have blown my chance at having a big break with them. And stick around because at the end, we've got a couple half-baked startup ideas that we're kind of ruminating on that we'd love to get your thoughts on. This episode, it's a fun one. It's all over the place. It was probably the most fun one for me to record, but really hope you enjoy today's episode. All right. On the podcast today, I have two friends that are near and dear to my heart that are on. One, Adam Weiler, who was on on episode 95. Do you remember our meet cute when we first met? It was at the Starbucks in Queen Anne on the Hill. You were sitting outside in all black with a stroller without a child in it. And then we proceeded to walk around <laughs> Queen Anne for 45 minutes talking about life and business with no baby, but a stroller. There's um, no there's no more awkward period than when you drop a kid off and you're walking around in an empty stroller. And like you just want a big sign that says like, I just dropped a kid off. Trust me. Like there was a child in here. Yeah, yeah, I don't. I don't. I think that that sign, if you're asking people to trust you, is just going to make it worse for you. you know? <laughs> well, and it's two guys with these huge black buffers walking around with a looking a looking for a child to kidnap. That's beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> and then at dawn, our meet meet you was very similar. We met over Zoom, and I remember like before joining our EO forum. I met Adon over Zoom. He had like weird backlighting. I think it was intentional. So he was very ominous. And I think within three minutes, <laughs> it's like, how much revenue do you have? How much profit? How much do you pay yourself? And it was uh, equally um, worthy of, of a rom-com. Do you yes. remember that, Adon? 
I don't, but that sounds like most of my conversations with no, people. So it checks out. Adam, do you mind? I'm sure everyone listened to episode 95. It was amazing. But can you give just a quick background on yourself? Yeah. So Adam Weiler with Implicit, we are leading marketplace agency. So it means we handle Amazon, TikTok shops for consumer packaged good brands, heavy in supplement, beauty, pet space as well. Nice. So yeah, multi-seven figure brand, basically what Grosset does, but on Amazon, but much more impressive. And then Adon has refused to come on the podcast because of his mini monopoly and amazing things that he's doing. But uh, do you want to say the high level of what you do, Adon? So I'm in between jobs, if anyone is looking to hire. I started a company called Test Innovators, and we've built an online test prep platform, and we do other educational services for students and schools. And then I've also, I'm just winding down. <clears throat> Let's see, I'm still, as of right now, my email has not been blocked off, but I'm in the, the waning moments of my running Israel's quantum computing center. It's a long story, but I'm winding that down and I'm looking for my next thing. And there's about eight ideas I'm working on in parallel right now, but we'll save that for some other conversation. Yeah, that's super nice. exciting. And one thing you've learned that. Yeah. One thing Adon's done so well is like built this amazing tech company and, you know, gone to this executive level and has the team running it, which is extremely impressive, but it will cool. Wait, so how, how do we know each other? We joined the same cult. Craigslist. <laughs> Casual <laughs> encounters. Yeah. Yeah. So we, we know each other through, uh, it's called EO Entrepreneurship or Organization. It is a business cult. It is a way to buy friends, which I'm perfectly fine with, with, with doing that. Yeah. Adam, you've been in it the longest, so like someone that's clueless, how would you explain it to people? And like, what, what, what is it? It is, it's lonely when you're running a business, especially if you've got a bunch of employees that you can't always share everything with. The ups and downs, it's really volatile to run a business. And we get together once a month and talk about what's going right, what's not going right in business, family, and personal. And it's pretty amazing to see that we all share similar ups and downs, no matter the industry, no matter the niche, no matter the size of business. So it's, it's nice to be able to relate with other people. I, I think it's just worth adding the sort of the context is we all do run businesses of similar size. There's no, nobody who's, you know, we have no fortune 500 CEOs in our group yet. I know Jim is going to be there soon, but you know, for the time being we're, we're not there. And so it, it is, there's a lot of highly relevant things. And, and I think there's, you know, when you are in a larger organization, you get a lot of feedback from, from peers and you get ideas and hear, you know, how do you go through recruiting and what are your, you know, metrics. And then also, you know, as a business scales, the other types of challenges you face, like what am I going to do with all my money and things like that. Yeah. It's a tough, tough conversations to be had, but no, th that's the cool part. And I like it because there's not a lot of flexing or signaling. Cause a lot of times if you go to like a networking event, it's like, oh, it's, I'm good. It's going well. I'm crushing it. Yeah. But I, I do love the gestalt format of, you know, you speak in like I instead of you statements, past tense, you don't give advice, you give experience shares. So that that's helpful. But well, cool. So that, that's how we know each other. And there, every year we do a retreat and some forums do epic stuff. They go to Bali or Thailand or whatever. Our forum has a lot of founders with young kids. So we go to epic places like Leavenworth, Washington or Victoria. And, and this year, Adon, 
and Adam were tasked with doing our annual retreat and Adon did something that might have made if, they, if I had like my own time person of the year right now Adon is in that spot for the retreat he pulled together so we're going to Victoria and Adon in Adon fashion was able to get a meeting with Andrew Wilkinson by using his like stealth black belt level well let's talk about let's just talk about that and I think that's the theme that I wanted to talk on today. And that theme is shoot your shot. You know, we, we had talked about it and you know, what, what got into you or like talk, talk us through the process and like, what did you do? So I think that the, the, the meta level, just kind of where I am right now in life is that I feel like I am, it's time to kind of go big and not really hold back on any front. So that's, I think, the underlying current in my life right now. And so with that, thinking about, you know, going up to to Victoria, thinking about what is the most exciting, the best possible thing we could possibly we could do. Obviously, we are all fans of Andrews. Some of us are mega, you know, fangirls, I would say to the I, I don't know if he's going to be listening to this. So I, I, you know, we should maybe absolutely help me listening to this. Okay. Thing. All right. So then he should know that, like, I believe you've got a couple of posters up in your room, right, Jim? Is that? Uh, yeah. Yeah. They're, 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 they're signed. So yeah, absolutely. So, so, so that was, that was, that was the, the context. And I think the other thing that I realized we are kind of used to it in EO that our form is just a group of people and, you know, we give each other shit all the time. But if you kind of take, if you kind of zoom out, it is a fairly impressive group of people, at least, you know, on paper were impressive. So I was like, you know what, let's, let's like put this thing together and see if there's an opportunity. And, and also some of us are, if not today, sort of getting into the stage where we might be interested in selling our businesses at some point. And as we all know, Andrew is, you know, buying up businesses. So the idea was let's, let's do this. Let's shoot our shot. And what I did was I, you know, I re-listened to one or two of his podcasts and just really heard what he's looking for. And then tailored an email saying, we have exactly what you're looking for and we'd love to meet up and we will show up anywhere, anytime we will have coffee. We will just, you know, do you want us to sing you a lullaby at night? And that's, <laughs> that's our opportunity to meet you. And, and I guess that was, that was the genesis of it. Yeah. And, and to break it down, like tiny, their company, tiny acquires companies that do have a uh, profits of over a million per year. So Don was very smart and crafty in the email, like. We have eight potential businesses you could acquire. We will come to you. Your deal flow will fly to you and you can meet us, right? And so it's kind of like this no-brainer offer. And the fact that you sent that and you got a response is just like, who should we email next is like my next question. <laughs> question about that, and I've been thinking about it. Do you think, like Andrew lives in Victoria, I think strategically. I think he he enjoys being the biggest fish in that pond yeah. and people come to him versus yeah. he's, he's number 7,000 in San Francisco as far, right? It's like, yeah. but in Victoria, he's number one. Yeah. The, the customs guys have heard of him when we're yeah, 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 yeah. country. We, we asked him like, Who, what are you here for? Like, oh, we're going to meet up with Andrew. It's like, oh yeah, yeah, cool. I, I've heard of him. Yeah. <laughs> like this is a customs, like if you ask a TSA guy at LAX or, or JFK yeah. about some billionaire, in the city of like, I, I don't know who you're talking about. All right. So my other take, should we move to Guthrie, Oklahoma and be like the big dogs? Is that the other takeaway? Be a big fish like, in a small pond? We Googled it. Victoria, 
Canada has 317 days of sunshine a year, five times more than where yeah. we are in cloudy Seattle. That They've been holding out on us. So if go, go through Oklahoma, that's a microclimate. We could talk. Yeah, it's a whole other conversation. So that, I think that's a good theme on this is like, shoot your shot. So Adon makes this happen. He gets us meeting, and now it's, it's go time. So we have 90 minutes. It was initially at a coffee shop, but then we get elevated to come to their office. So I want to get to their office in a second because it's honestly, the, my takeaway from their office, which is actually essentially a mansion on the water, is yeah. rethink the way you work and design your life. Do you want to talk leading up to that day why this was potentially the best day of someone's life on this podcast? <laughs> I mean, all I can tell you about the day that you you didn't really see, but Adam did see is we we decided there's a there's a one company that flies directly from Seattle to Victoria, and it's a float plane company called Kenmore Air. And this is the middle of winter, and there's like snow, and there's wind, and there's rain, and so. There was a there was a hot moment there where we were going to drive up to Victoria. We were going to wake up at 5 a.m. to make it because obviously we were not going to let you know dream the dream the dream die. And so we ended up it moved from a float plane to a propeller plane. I don't know if you want to talk about our near death experience. Did, did we fly private? Can we tell people we flew <laughs> private? So this was a plane that had eight spots, and there were seven of us. We get into the plane. I believe a I don't know, fourteen year old, maybe sixteen year old <laughs> gets into the tourist permit. <laughs> yeah. Gets into the cockpit and we discover later that Kenmore Air is a sort of a stopping ground for you know, where, where as you are advancing to become a, a commercial learn to fly on learn to fly a real pilot. Those that survive, <laughs> those that don't kill their you know, themselves yeah. and everyone else end up becoming real pilots. So anyways, we have this this 16-year-old. It's like, it might be a little bumpy when we get to Victoria. And as we are taking off, it's extremely bumpy. And so I, I don't know about you guys, but I thought we were going to die a few times. And I think what made it a lot Sideways. Worse, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, you're, you're, well, you're used to turbulence and you kind of go up and down a little bit. You don't usually kind of get like turn these, these kinds of turns. shifts. Um, yeah. it, was, it was pretty rough. And then I obviously was pretty worried because... He said that Victoria is where the turbulence was, and this was uh, when you were above Seattle still. Uh, so it was it was a little scary, but we made it. I think I think to touch on that, and I don't know if you were going to cover this, Jim. I think hitting that adrenaline bump in the beginning set us up. It was like like I've been on retreats before, and you kind of slow roll it. You go to the airport, you go to the hotel, you check, you got this downtime. You maybe do dinner the first night, and it's like. Okay, and then it builds. This we we ran straight into a cloud, got shaken <laughs> about, and then went straight to the tiny office. Yeah, we we had sideways rain like coming at us. Like some people wake up and they cold plunge. I prefer to take a Kenmore Air flight. Like I know it's again get the system going. So we fly private ish with a guy named Mark, and then we land in Victoria. We we were alive. The heart's pumping, and it dawns like. It is go time to go to Tiny. So we get in our black cars or our Prius Ubers, and we drop off the luggage. At no, no, no black cars on the island, by the way. So, yeah, no black There's cars. Some. So we go. So initially, it was going to be at the coffee shop. I'm like, oh, okay, that's fine. Me and my coffee shop. But then we get the upgrade to go to their office, and their office isn't in like downtown Victoria. We're also the upgrade. But before we get the upgrade. We also get the upgrade that Chris, the yes, his his partner is also joining. It's like boom, boom, double, double. 
Yeah. You know, that was huge. Which I want to talk about him because you never, Andrew is, I feel like, the public facing person as opposed to Chris. Chris was equally impressive. And so I want, I want to hit on that, right? Like the, the monger to his buffet, I guess. So their office isn't in downtown Victoria. Like, no, we don't want to do that. Let's like, lifestyle design this tim ferris this let's buy a sick mansion that overlooks the water and let's office there so they where we're going through imagine your nicest neighborhood and roll up to the nicest house overlooking the water right and so we we get to this house and we ring the doorbell and who answered is it an assistant is it andrew or chris no obviously it's their personal chef sergio because that's how you roll right and so i'm just like first i'm like this is so smart. Then Sam, like, we're doing this wrong. I was like, we need to have a meeting of minds and get a personal shot ASAP. But shout out Sergio. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, I thought that house was pretty, or office was, it really made me rethink how I'm working. Yeah. I thought it was, I mean, it was one of the, you know, we've had discussions, like, what do you do if you had way more money and like a way more successful business? And a lot of times it just didn't make sense to me. Like, okay, great. I guess you fly private more often than we do on Kenmore Air. But besides <laughs> that, like, you know, I feel great. That experience with their chef in their office and the view just made so much sense to me, you know, because like all three of us, we run businesses with distributed that, Here's the thing. We we could do that, you guys. Like we we can we could do that right now. You had what which house? Well let's do this. Let's go. All right. We're going to Zilla right now. I mean that's the thing <laughs> so cool. I don't no, but that's also the problem is that house in Seattle would probably probably be like $20 million. Oh my gosh. It was, I think we can rent something like that. I think we can rent something. Maybe we don't need all the space. We can rent something pretty baller, that same feel for 10K, 15K maybe. Well, yeah. I mean, I think you need it more than anyone else. I know you're hiding. <laughs> I do. I'm literally, <laughs> you're literally big, your big background right now. The furnace room. Yeah. I'm well, Blake and Charlie, my 19 month old for kicking me out of the... And I saw this and now I'm in the furnace room. Right. Well, it's a one day. And so we, we, yeah. we get there and Sergio's walking us around. And I just like that you take your shoes off. Hey, Kyle. Yeah, oh yeah. Shout out to Kyle. <laughs> <Shula. laughs> Live on the pad. <laughs> well, one note, Lena did not take her boots off. I don't know if they noticed that, but it had to be let the record sales probably for her outfit, but maybe we won't be invited back. No. But so we're there for lunch. And I was like, I was, and. She, like you've taken your shoes off at every single house. Like it's, you know, she's, she's like traditionally Korean. She shoes off. Like that was like the oddest move. She's like, yeah, I know. It was, I didn't want to. I mean, I, I, I felt comfortable. And I'm like, all right, you do you. Yeah. It, it was a height thing. So I know we're, we're 20 minutes into this and people are like, okay, how the, and we haven't got anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So let, let's get into, we're there for like five to seven minutes and then they arrive. First off, Andrew's like six nine. He is a yeah. tall. I had the under. Gentleman. Yeah, yeah. I was. I I lost that bet. You guys both said he was over six four, and I was like, "There's no way." I, was, I thought he had like he had that like five ten inner like powerful energy. You know, like outgoing energy. You don't get that outgoing energy and be six nine. Yeah, it's not too the same. It's like a, too much. Yeah, that's like saves some of the rest of us. He's on some growth hormones or something. Well, anyway, we we can kind of get into the meeting, but I've got my notes here. But we, we had them for basically ninety minutes. Even Sergio, the chef, shout out Sergio, go to his restaurant. He says he's like these meetings usually end on time if not early. You guys went over, and I actually heard a lot of laughing. So in my book, I'm like best meeting of the year for sure and for these guys it is january <laughs> what were your guys's takeaways from the meeting i mean the, the theme repeats itself shoot, shoot your shot 
um, you know, they're, it, it's crazy that we are in our businesses every day where we run our business every day. We think about our business while we're sleeping. And yet when someone asks us to give a 30 second pitch about them, the, the range of quality on those varies widely, myself included. Some days I got it nailed. Other times I'm like, I, I do stuff and I don't know. Yeah. And so that was like a takeaway. It's like, oh shit, I, this needs to be dialed in and I should have this at the whim. I should be able to say it like I'm going into surgery unconscious. I should be able to say it. Yeah, especially when you talk to investors, having your numbers dialed in, knowing it like the back of your hand. One, it's good so they can understand, but two, it shows you like are a good operator and executive, right? And so for for me, that was something I was kind of like, okay, I need to like always have this like dialed in and 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 have this known. So here's how like high level how the meeting went. First, what was interesting is we came in as a form. Andrew used to be an EO. Andrew and Chris are both in other communities or forums where he actually broke out from EO with his forum to create his own. I think both of them were in like two or three forums. We spent like the first five or 10 minutes. They were asking us questions like, how do you run your forum? How do you guys talk? And it was interesting, like they're in a forum just for money. They're in a forum for business, but how it's really skewed to talk more about life as opposed to business. So that that was kind of a cool way to start the meeting, having that theme in common, but just seeing how they have forums. Oh, I think they mentioned they're in a forum with old people um, and they like talking to gray hair. So I'm like, noted, I need more old friends. So I, I like that one. I just want to mention that that I'm going to give my answer and sort of the form, um, the form of my experience, because I don't, we didn't explicitly say that everything that was discussed was confidential. But since we did initiate the conversation with them talking about forum, it kind of feels less right to share any specifics that they or too many specifics. So so that was my experience. Mm-hmm. You know, it was around the fact that these guys really were building lives around building structures around the lives that they want. And it was cool because they're about our age, I believe, uh, a little bit older than me, but younger than you guys since you're pretty old. And so, wow. Personally, uh, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, people people should know. The audience should know that you guys, you guys are getting, <laughs> getting up there. There's not not a lot City of, miles of, of this of this podcast, you know. Um, so so just that they're really designing their lives, and it and it was interesting to see and hear how they're doing it and the things that are important to them. We, you know, some of the questions we asked are like, "What do you want to be doing differently in the next ten years?" Or sort of, "What's your goal in ten years?" And and hearing for them, it was a lot of it was around lifestyle design and instead of an objective goal, it's sort of the ongoing experience of life and structuring things in your life to enable you to do that was really interesting. Yeah, that that's a really good point because like we think, oh, you finally hit this milestone. But I think they hit this milestone a while ago as far as being post-economic or doing well. And it's more around like being happy in the day-to-day. And we all kind of vented on like, things that are tough around people problems. And for them, it's like things in around hiring CEOs and and like how you compensate them. But at the end of the well, day, that, that stood out too, that they still had, you know, you or being post economic, they still had just as many issues. They still just had, you know, had the problems were higher level and they were, there were a, a level of complexity about them, but there's still issues around there. Mm-hmm. Less tactical and day to day though. Yeah. Right. Yeah, they did mention that. I thought that was an interesting point where instead of a putting out a fire, 
they've got a missile coming their way yeah. and they've got that uh, yeah but it's but it's still they still need to deal with it and so there isn't maybe the same level of urgency on the day-to-day but there's still problems and you know their adrenal glands are are pumping just as hard as ours <laughs> so i yeah. thought i mean it, it makes a lot of sense yeah and i had heard andrew talk about this on other podcasts so i think this one's fair to say but i don't that's a good point of like some of the stuff we heard is probably confidential but one thing he said multiple times is we see them scaling ball and all these companies we think there's going to be all these synergies and they're like actually no let these ceos run independently don't share too many services because then you can point fingers you can make excuses why it's not working i was forced to do this and i was actually more impressed with like oh wow these are all truly individual companies and they're just helping kind of fund them and they do say they want to be the Berkshire Hathaway of the internet. And I, I see that coming through. I, I don't know how many Warren Buffett quotes were made at that lunch, but I think it was oh, over at least seven. At least, sure, Cash dropped it yeah. as well. But it just made me like, <laughs> oh, I need to reread every Warren Buffett book right now. Honestly, was was one of my big takeaways. I also have some thoughts on who won the meeting, what were the highs and lows, <laughs> and to the point. So here's the thing. Don set me up for failure, and here's what happens. Don set me up for failure. He goes, Jim, you're going to have three minutes to pitch your businesses to the tiny founders. So I'm like, I got this. I had my notes down. I might have rehearsed it. I'm good. And then we're talking. All of a sudden, Andrew's like, hey, let's go around the table. Let's take 30 seconds to talk about our businesses. You go first, Jim. And I'm just like, during the headlight, it's, can we add a zero to that? And so in the sense of shooting, I was like, I'm going over 30 seconds. I just went for it. And honestly, I thought I nailed it. I had them on the edge of their seat. Can we, can we talk about your, your Please, talk for a second? Break it down. Shoot me straight. Okay. So Jim is recent, recently bought in or, or on the exec team of a new t-shirt company. It is a sweat proof, water resistant t-shirt company. Jim starts talking about it. I could literally see Andrew and Chris levitating out of their seats. Yeah. They start leaning in and then Jim takes the glass of water off the table. And he's like, and if I dumped it on here, it would it literally. And they're like, would, would it just repel? And he's like, yeah, it would. And then he puts the water back down and everyone at the table is like, dump the water, dump the water. And then, he, and then it moves to the next person. So that you know, if the theme is shoot your shot, you got to You got to shoot your shot. You got to pour that water on. I, yeah. And, and I think that in that moment, we may have lost them completely because they were thinking, <laughs> what kind of farm is this? What kind of group of people that are, you know, there to support each other? Like, why didn't anybody just take a cup of water and just dump it on Jim? And I think they were, they were looking at me. They were looking yeah. at you, Adam. They were looking at everyone and they were saying, yeah, what the fuck's up with you guys? What's going on here? You know, you have those moments in life where you look back where they could have been like, we had this lunch one time and this guy poured a, a whole glass of water on his shirt and we invested on the spot. And now it's worth 200 million. Yeah. It's never the guy described as pouring water on him with 2000 words. It didn't. I, I did go to their office that night with a bucket of water, just pouring on myself, and hopefully they got down the security footage. So uh, I, I essentially did it. But uh, yeah, after that moment, I just sat there with my hands between my legs. And so, yeah, I thought I won the meeting, but I, I clearly lost. And you know how, what are your peaks in life? I think that was my peak. And, and now it's just, there's 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 nothing else. And so that was my pitch. I, I, I do have a pitch where there might have been We'll say this with confidence. There might have been two businesses they were intrigued by, very intrigued by. And so that that was interesting 
And I thought of Don, you might have won the meeting with first you had the best seat. They're looking at you. You held court. <laughs> However, one tragic error that you had where he is a shareholder in Tiny. I'm a shareholder in Tiny now as well. And he's like, hey, you know what? You guys should have an annual meeting. I've got this amazing idea that I'm sure you guys have never thought about. I got the best idea. You guys have an annual meeting like they do at Berkshire Hathaway. And they look at each other. Yeah, we do that. And at that moment, I feel like you were maybe exposed as a fraud, as a true fanboy of time. <laughs> I, I, I mean, I'm not going to lie. I was embarrassed for you guys because like, you guys are associated with me. And at that moment, it was clear that we should not be taken seriously. But, you know, I tried. I shot by shot. I shouldn't have. No, I, I've got like a bunch of notes from we talked about like how to manage teams, how they think about getting like payback on their investments at, at a certain window. I was going to ask if you guys have either talked to your your teams about anything that was mentioned or implemented anything that was mentioned at the at the lunch. I don't want to be too specific, but there was some conversation about executive compensation and incentive structures, which is also interesting. And we talked about, you know, incentivizing for growth versus for profitability. And it was interesting to hear that they actually were not fully aware of what they were doing across all their businesses. So that was that was lovely to get behind the scenes information like that. And that's something that, that I'm definitely beginning to do is, again, really thinking about in business to just ensure that all incentives are, are perfectly aligned with what you're trying to do at each stage of the business. You know, we've got a revenue goal and a profit goal for this year. And I came back and I, and I spoke with my number two about, okay, what if we just focus on the profitability goal? Like, right. That's if we had to choose one, what does that change? You know, let's play, play out all the scenarios. Like what's worst case, everyone just fires everyone to maximize profit. They wouldn't do that because they still need to get the job done, but would they be incentivized to operate more efficiently? So we're, we're going to actually incentivize that a little bit. We, we had revenue and profit as equal in our kind of bonus plans and KPIs. We're going to incentivize just the profit this year and see what that does. Interesting. I kind of like the idea of going back and forth. I'm just making this up on the fly, but yeah. I think that there is being being sort of maniacal about one versus the other and actually shifting back and forth depending on the stage in the business and what's going on in the market specifically for us right now there are some very big changes and there's market share to be captured and so we really need to move quickly but also since we did talk about profitability one of the immediate things was we've got a, a fairly large team not as big as yours but fairly large and one of the things that we're doing is we we had our bookkeeper print out every single expense that we have and all of the recurring payments, like all the services and how we like obviously Slack and things like that are, are, are big ones. But then just let's go down every single thing and put that in front of the team and saying, guys, what are we not actually using? Or is there a, a cheaper, better option? And that seems like, again, sort of that mentality, you don't need to let anyone go. You just can be focused on ensuring that the money that you're spending is still makes sense today, I think is a good move. But also, like, Jim and I are, are agency boys, right? We're, we yeah. get bought on EBITDA. If you're if you're getting bought on top line, then those incentives should be aligned to maximize that. Where if we had, if let's say we, my my revenue right now is around five and a half million. If we were to, if we were to get 99% EBITDA margins, 
right? And we got to 5 million of profit, 5 million and $1 of revenue. We would get bought on that 5 million of profit. Yeah. So it's like, it's almost like revenue doesn't matter in our cases versus profitability, as long as it's growing and long, as long as we can tell a story. So kind of aligning on how you're viewed in the marketplace and what the ultimate goals are. Do you think that you run a pretty lean operation? Do you think that there's... No, no. no. Okay. <laughs> I, I li- it's tighter. It's yeah. definitely gotten tighter and we've done that. We, you know, we've got, we've got virtual cards, credit cards for every new subscription that automatically expire on a certain date. Love we wait to hear like, nice. we wait to hear like, Hey, I, I needed that. Okay. Like, well, we'll, we'll like get that. it back. Nice. <laughs> so, but what, yeah, I mean, we, we could, you know, how many, we have utilization so, rates. So, so, so how much money, what's the value? What's the multiple that you're expecting on your EBITDA for your, for the value of the company? You know, it, it, it's dependent on macro, it's dependent on bands, right? So under a million is call it six X and over a million, you get to like six to eight X and, and over 3 million, you're at the 10 to anywhere between 10 and 16 X. So it's like the, those are the areas that we're looking at. And like, those are the goals to, and thresholds to hit. Do you think about, sorry, go ahead. that, that's why I heard the same here. If you get over 3 million in profit per year, the multiple goes up significantly because this company that was trying to like kind of roll us up. They're like, oh, you could help us get to this number faster. And I was like, oh, wow. It's, it's amazing to see those multiples. That's why I'd like to sell before you hit that threshold, you're just leaving so much money on the table. Yeah. Well, so I, do you guys operate in the day to day like that? I mean, do you think about, okay, I could skip this flight and not go to this event and I mean, let's say it's a thousand dollars. I mean, that is worth up to sixteen thousand dollars. You know, if you you're talking about those higher bayouts. Yeah. Yeah. Every. I mean, like it. Yes and no. It can paralyze us from generating new revenue, but it should be revenue generating activity if we're yeah. doing that. Yeah. You know, and going back to the question, like the main takeaways from the meeting, like for me, it was they've gone from operators to investors, right? And I think a lot of times companies don't grow or scale because founders get stuck in operator mode. And if you think of yourself as an investor, you're thinking of capital allocation, capital or resource allocation, which could be like how you allocate your team, your profits, your funding. And if you can think at that strategic level, you can do big things. So it made me want to put on that investor hat over the operator hat more. And then also how I incentivize revenue and profits because last year it was very much shifting to be hey we need to be efficient with profits but honestly and i like your point of like shifting it we're at a pretty good space on how we're running things obviously we can always be better but i want the team thinking top line because we've got some systems in place that will probably break as we grow but top line is what can get us to that next milestone but it's a tough balancing act yeah the, the only other thing, Adam, you brought a gift that was very true to what they're into. And I thought that was a nice kind of like, you know, cherry on top of the Sunday. And I like that I get credit for your thoughtfulness. So that was well. <laughs> Everyone. Yeah. So right after Charlie Munger passed away, I remember Andrew was on a podcast talking about, you know, wisdom of, of Charlie. This was like after we had initially been confirmed to meet with them at the coffee shop. So I hopped on eBay and started looking for just like obscure Charlie Munger, Warren Buffett gifts. And there's a lot of random stuff out there. There's some really expensive stuff, but I wanted to find something in that 
something that I hope they they didn't have end up finding a Berkshire Hathaway Monopoly game with Charlie and, and Warren on it. And I think it I think it landed. I, I don't know if it's been cracked and played yet, but you know, that in my mind, they're they're playing it every Friday yeah. at the office on the table. We should have we should have just just opened it and just been like, you know, just cancel the rest of your meetings today, guys. We got yeah. We got some hotels to build out here. <laughs> and a Monopoly like a four hour it's like a four hour commitment too. We would that would have been that would have been the move. Shoot shoot your shot. Yeah. You gotta leave on top too. You gotta leave when the energy's high. I'm a big fan, like when my wife and I call at a party. It's like when things are good, let's leave. You don't want to linger because I've been the linger. I've been that person. So yeah, I should have dumped the water on myself and then laughed. And just just <laughs> walked away. Yeah. Or just walked into the into the sea there, you know? And just yeah. come out <laughs> dry shirt, wet hand. Actually I went cool. That was, I'm assuming they have views over that. I could only imagine, like, I felt great walking in there, right? It was like beautiful art. It was like feng shuied out. The, it, the, the, it was designed beautifully. Feels like you could, it wasn't this prison furniture in like a break room of like a corporate, you know, cubicle farm. This was a beautiful place. You feel like your mind could just yeah. think better. In this, yes. in this place. Yeah, you could see the, you could see the, the sea, you could see the, the Mount, the Olympic uh, Peninsula, which is, I feel like they owe us a little bit because that actually is why they don't get a lot of rain. It's because our mountains <laughs> protect them from rain. So I'm just saying it seems a little unfair. Yeah. <laughs> Full credit. Yeah, no, it really, like your environment has a huge impact on your mental state for creativity and energy. And so, yeah, we need to buy a sick place. I think we need to get a, a boathouse or a, a house on South Lake Union, kind of sleep Ooh, yeah. Seattle style. So we can just hold plunge. We can kayak on breaks. It, 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 that's in a hot tub boat. It'll be great. Well, no. Well, and the other thing after that, I feel like the day was just on a high. We had an awesome dinner with the group at Sergio's restaurant. Adam literally ordered all. Yeah, so we we had a restaurant already planned, and Andrew's like, "No, that's that place. Go to Sergio's." We went to Sergio's spot. It's like kind of, you know, they he said it's like been an, an up and coming area. And it's and it's been that way for the for the last fifteen years, right? Like it <laughs> hasn't hasn't turned that corner, but you walk in great energy it's like cool people are there and then they've got an option on the menu get everything it's like one of everything and it's like well, of course you, you got to get that worth the big group and the fucking food can bleed me out <laughs> the food was amazing food was great love gnocchi it was very strong i, I could have had two more of the fried chicken i'm from oklahoma so give me more fried chicken but it was yeah it was quite quite strong and then partly part and parcel Yes, Martin Possible put the link there. Use our affiliate code. Uh, get a free appetizer on us. That's really great. But no, it, but the other funny thing from doing this retreat, it is fun to step away with other founders just to kind of like kind of ruminate on things. But we can't help ourselves as we're always like, we've got half baked startup ideas. I will say in our conversation, there was one idea that I think has legs. And we need to crowdsource some people to to pull it off. I don't know if we're prepared to go down that path, but I think I get full credit for the category. But Adam, you get credit for for honing it in. Do you remember how the conversation started? No. What? what so I was like, gosh, there. You know, Amazon started off of one stat. It's like the growth of like e-commerce and online businesses are go growing at like 
3,000% per year. Nothing grows that fast unless it's in a Petri dish. What is the next one chart signal that you should build a business around? And just that week, it came out, you know, you drink water from plastic bottles, you get all these tiny like microplastics in your body. That's probably not good for you. It's probably going to come out in other studies. It leads to horrible things like cancer. I haven't done the bro science on it, but that's what I'm believing. And yeah, so sure. smart water, all every bottled water in plastic bottles is, is gone. So someone's going to make a lot of money. So I'm like, guys, let's do milk carton, you know, water, right? Adam's like, no, 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 that's not the idea. You're, you're playing chess. We need to play checkers and <laughs> you unload, unloaded. And I'm, I'm ready to like go all in on this. If we get that boathouse office. I'm going to send you the picture to put up. So they test your, your water at the reservoir. They test it many times a day. They don't test it out glacier water in house. Washington. Shout out. Yeah, we got, we got beautiful water here at the reservoir. By the time it makes it through these 300-year-old pipes, it's crappy. And it's got a ton of stuff. You know, there's the reservoir doesn't filter out birth control. Like, there's a whole bro science thing around that, right? There's pharmaceuticals that people dump in their toilet that make it back to our water supply. So there's going to be a phase shift. This of whole house water filter and water quality. You can see it. I forgot the name of the, the shower filter company. They're already crushing. It's an awesome example. Well, it's a shower head that has a filter and oh. think of it like a Brita filter. So before you shower, you're not putting this gross water on you. It's, it's filtered and they're crushing it right now. But I mean, that's just like a bandaid on, on the cut. You really want to filter every piece of water that's coming through your house. I'll show you the, you but, saw what these filters but, like. I guess my question to you is, is a filter yeah. enough? Because if something is dissolved in water, you know, not to show off my, my science, yeah. paper, but if something is yeah. dissolved in the water, <laughs> yeah, I mean, you need reverse osmosis. You need to, you need to go harder and, and stronger than just filters. Dude, he just reverse yeah. osmosis our idea. I, I, I'm... <laughs> well, I mean, reverse, reverse osmosis is definitely part of it. I yeah. think, you know, the filters say that they get that they get everything down to whatever micron level that is. Okay. Um, well, before I done, we're, hey, by the way, we're yeah. in a framework right now, Don, of every idea is a good idea. Okay, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, no, no. Don't, no, no, no. Wait. It, it's people the idea. Let, lay, it, lay it on them. Oh, my the, God. Yeah, it's horrible. No, sorry, sorry. No, no, not the idea. Not the idea. Not the idea. I'm trying to give, I'm trying to give some, some usable phrases. Like, if you're going to show the picture, I mean, it's insane. It's, yeah. it's insane. And this was like two months of our nice neighborhood water that everyone in Seattle is drinking. So it's whole house water filters that are going to become a part of every single home. It's not a question of if, it's a question of when you need access to the main, you need an insulation. And then there's a recurring theme of replacing that filter on a timely manner. So whether it's a bolt-on to an existing service company or a standalone service company, I think that if you're if you're in an area and can prove a test that can do an either an instant test or a mail lab test to show people the quality, every guy I show this to is like, do not show my wife this because they know that they will be forced to install a filter within the coming weeks. It's insane. So essentially for people listening, you have water that comes into your house from pipes. These pipes are old and disgusting. Adam puts a filter system in where you have to drill into the pipes put essentially like a pimped out Brita 
where the water gets cleaned out. This <laughs> filter that was white after, I don't know, a few weeks became like brown. And he showed my wife and she's like almost gagged. And so basically it's an in-home service where it's like, we come in, we get into those pipes, we're going to put the filter system and then we're going to come in and change it every quarter. And so I'm just like, I don't matter if this is going to happen, but when it's going to happen. And who's going to do it? Adam, as he did it at his house. So we'll 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 scale Adam. But the the thing that I like about marketing this is I sell a lot of D2C brands where you're like doing digital ads. I don't truly know where the customers are. I do and don't. The thing that's exciting is like, oh, people in Queen Anne have pipes over a hundred years old or whatever. We know exactly where they live and we're going door to door. We're doing flyers. We're gonna, you know, we're not gonna do the creepy pest control people. We're gonna flip it on its head. We're going after the guy that works at home. We're gonna send some girls there as sales reps to try and close them. It's gonna be great. Um, and I think it, you take a page out of Jolie's book where they didn't market like, hey, get this filtered shower head. They market by like, hey, do you know what's in your water? So it's education over like conversion focused campaigns. And we do like three tests. And I wish you could get the name Mudwater because that's just the best name. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. We 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 got a yeah, working working name, dirt. Dirt's like you want it, you want it. I mean, we all know fear sells and mm-hmm. yeah. You, your your kids are bathing in this stuff. You're showering in it. Your little dinky fridge filter is not catching <laughs> this stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And it's the crazy thing is you don't even have to scare people too much. You can just literally show them that here here is a filter. This yeah. is two months of your water. What else? What other ideas you guys got? Are you guys gonna do it though? Because like I kinda like it and I kinda wanna buy the service. I'm a little nervous about scaling and training people in Adam's proprietary technology of installing this. I love the idea of marketing this thing, though. It would be so fun to market. Yes. Agreed. Yeah. So yeah. Like, we're talking about these. We're not doing this. <laughs> we're just, we yeah, but that, but that's a, that actually is my, my idea. And this is an idea that I've had for a while, and I'm happy to share it with the public now. And it's the idea, and maybe this exists, and you guys will tell we'll have to cut this, but... It's the idea. It's a meta idea. And what it is, is you just submit your ideas into some sort of platform because, and and the whole concept is it's such a good idea that I don't even need to be the one to do it. I just want for it to get done and for it to just be solved. And, you know, Mm -hmm. you get enough of those, you get some algorithms on it. It just spits out ideas to people. And these are things that I don't need to own. I don't need, you know, I just want to be the consumer of it. And, And this is an example, right? Like somebody should do this. They should make it easy for me. I should be able to just like, they should be here right now. The the girls should be walking up, you know, asking me, showing me my neighbor's filter and I should say yes. And that's mm-hmm. it. And I think that this whole concept of, you know, so many times you talk to people and they're like, yeah, I've got this really good idea. Like, great. You're never going to do anything about it. Let's be real. Yeah. Post it up on this thing. Let's again, and maybe, maybe the, the, the magic of it is if you are one of the contributors and somebody does it, you can be, you know, a customer to it or whatever else it is but it really is the idea that we've got to just make it easier for people to contribute their ideas that they would be happy for somebody else to do yeah it, it, and you almost have to make it vertical specific is your idea a app is it ai focused is it a service is it this and then someone can be well armed to do this because like I, I i do think that's something it's like pompous idea you have to figure out the the economics of it but there, but back to the point. there was a platform like this for product I think it was GE that hosted it and they even attributed 
like input. Like it was almost like open source group design. So I, I know they designed like a smart outlet and people will get credit and points and even royalties assigned based on their contribution to the project. It was pretty cool. That's awesome. I mean, what would the MVP of this be? I think it's kind of simple. You literally just start going door to door and asking people if you can, if they're interested in it to, to get traction. And if you get interested, then people will interested, then it's like, okay, how many like trucks or people do you need to do this? Could you do some partnership deal with plumbers or pest control or lawn service that already have deals? And then then we start getting influencers, Tim Ferriss, Andrew Huberman, Gwyneth Paltrow talking about this. And then it's it's world domination. Right? It's that easy. So it's that that sounds pretty easy. And so again, anybody's all listening all, to this and wants to hustle and be a CEO to run this, we we can add some money, we can add some strategy. It's it's go time. And you've got three customers. Yes. Two. Two. So yeah. Adam I did. But someone's gonna have to repair what he did because I'm sure it'll break. Yeah. Through the first phrase, so yeah. All right, so I've got the next idea. This one is something. It's not a like you don't want to raise money for it, but someone could do this, and I think it's the fastest path to seven figures without needing any real talent or skill. And so it's so you've seen growth assistant. It's a service you pay like three grand a month for, and your it's people in the Philippines that are your growth assistant. They help do the Facebook pixel tag. They'll write an email newsletter for you, and they're just a rocket ship. Right. And so they're taking off. So I'm like, I love that model, a low price productized service that's they're they're kind of playing with the arbitrage opportunity with international labor. So my idea, I'm calling it AI assistant. That's and it is not a technology, it is a service. So all this stuff is coming out with AI. Everybody wants to do AI. No one's really doing it. They're just like playing around with chat GPT. We could create a service where we're like, we guarantee we will use AI to either make you more money than we cost or to win you more time back that will offset our cost. So what we do is we're like, all right, give us your tech stack. Boom, we get like Slack, Zoom, we get everything they're doing, all the AI features they're not using. We get their P&L, we look at all, all their expenses, we get their headcount, and then we're looking where we save them money. It's like, oh, wow, you can actually, you want to hire for these two roles? You don't need to. You could use AI to do that. Or, wow, you're spending on all of these things. There's redundancy. You can use AI to do that. We create like a 90-day roadmap of like how we can optimize their entire system with AI. And then we have ongoing fees of like, hey, AI is moving and changing like crazy. You want to have your finger on the pulse. So every month we're going to be doing updates and tweaks. Um, so yeah, AI assistance. What do you think about that? It's not very scalable because you still need to go with the stuff. <laughs> is, wait, do we, is this the part we shit on it or do we? No, no, you know, you know remember uh, we, we do the sorry, I'm sorry. Sorry. It's a good idea. I think it's awesome. Nice I think it's an awesome idea. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's an awesome idea. And I think you're right because most people, they, everyone feels like they should be doing something and nobody knows exactly what to do. So I think it does answer that need. And I'm sure that if you went and talked to a hundred businesses, mm -hmm. you like, they all, they, you know, what are you doing about AI? They're probably not enough. Yeah. So, so my point of riding a big wave, I don't know if this is going to become a big wave or it'll just flutter out, but there was this movement around, oh, you don't just need a chief financial officer. You need a chief automation officer who automates your stuff. So we ride the wave of, oh, if you need a chief automation officer, 
you definitely need AI assistance to yeah, yeah. work them. like a fractional fractional chief automation officer is what you're talking about. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So a ser- productized service or a service around AI, one thousand percent. Like yeah, yeah. Especially so I don't have enough time. I mean, I l- live this stuff and I'm in it. I don't have enough time to stay up to date on all the latest. Yeah. Like, is this the best customer help desk? Is this the best call routing? Is this the best mm-hmm. meeting transcription or sales assistance? But the any anything where you need access to like their P and L and like to justify getting your savings, like that's where the model breaks. Yeah, we're still saying yes. We're, we're at the stage of still saying yes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But a, a million percent. I mean, every agency owner I know is talking about how they can how they can add AI to their offerings or create an AI. Oh, totally. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think, I think maybe, maybe since he almost said no, but it's a, yes, it's just figuring out what is the lowest hanging fruit and probably getting access to PNL is a little bit tougher, but is there something that, you know, what's like the entry point into every single conversation? Yeah. Yeah. I do think that's right. Almost make it specific to a tech stack. Oh, we go after people that are on these tech stacks because that's where we find the most efficiencies or whatever. Yeah. 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 And and maybe, and maybe like vertical going after, after agencies that also write emails or, you know, run it. It's all about margins with agencies, right? So they, they would care maybe the most. Yeah. Yeah. That's my half-baked productized service idea. Niche legal healthcare, something. Yeah, maybe stay away from those because there's compliance around them, or construction, or something like that. Maybe plumbing. Yeah, well, two for one. Yeah, bundle, bundle, bundle the ideas. I mean, Adon, you're trying to think through eight different ideas with yeah. all this newfound time. Like, how are you then approaching that? I'm setting up as many conversations as I can with very with people that are much smarter than me that's been my approach you're welcome yeah exactly like this one and and yeah that that's generally how i think so i i I do a lot of reading and a lot of conversations and and then building out prototypes so that's the nice thing about the situation actually right after this call well i'm now one minute late to my next meeting with (laughs) somebody that that is running through our data and and beginning to aggregate and look at really unique things that we can do with AI specifically in education. So your ideas are big ideas that you're like, let's, let's go big. When you say you're reading things, what, what are you reading? So I, you feel the, the funnel of ideas. Yeah. I mean, it's both just, you know, finding things on AI. So being a part of a bunch of different, and I can, you know, share them different newsletters around AI. And then also biographies of people that are interesting but you're, but you're in on ai as a as no i'm I'm, all, the, I'm also looking at things in quantum computing and you know so it's it's kind of like and water filtration well and water filtration using using you know quantum mechanics maybe now there's also some some i think advancements in the semiconductor industry that might be interesting that i'm exploring so really kind of going all over the place into areas where you know i i think that the world will how will, I'm asking myself the question, how will the world be dramatically different in the future? And what can I do in those ways and in, in those places? That's pretty cool. All right. Well, I know Don, you, you're not two minutes late to your next meeting. Any, any closing remarks 
Adam or Adon around shooting your shot, around some of these half-baked ideas, around the... Shoot your shot. <laughs> and be prepared to shoot your shot. I think that's that's the luckiest preparation meets opportunity. And we got lucky, and and now we've got a connection to follow up on. And yeah. um, I, I know they'll still remember you, even if you didn't pour the water. You should have poured the water, but you didn't. You wouldn't remember. <laughs> pour the water. Pour exactly. Water. Pour, pour the water, water. Or, or have better friends that will pour the water on yeah, you. Thanks. Yeah, I'm no, that's really a lot. Actually, yeah, yeah. Uh, form sixteen coming back. Um, <laughs> well, cool. Well, thank you guys. This was fun. I'll probably see you soon. But good stuff, Adam. Thank you for having a better background. It was embarrassing before, so appreciate it. Shit, just shot. All right, guys. Talk to you later. Yeah. Bye. Let. I'll give a few plugs first. I send a weekly newsletter each Thursday featuring five articles or tools that have helped me. You can sign up for these weekly updates at jimwhuffman.com. Second, for anyone running a startup, if you need help growing your business, check out Growth Hit. Growth Hit serves as your external growth team. After working with over 100 startups and generating a quarter billion in sales for clients, Growth Hit has perfected a growth process that's hell-bent on driving ROI through rapid experiments. Plus, you'll get to work with yours truly. So if you want to work with a team that's worked with startups that have been funded by Andreessen Horowitz or featured on Shark Tank, then check out growthhit.com. And finally, I wrote a book called The Growth Marketer's Playbook that takes everything I've learned as a growth mentor for venture-backed startups, and I've distilled it down to 140 pages. So instead of hiring a growth team, save yourself some money, get the book, and you can just do it yourself. I hope you enjoyed this episode, and I'd love to hear feedback. I'm on Twitter at Jim W. Huffman. Are you a business owner in desperate need of talent, but you have issues finding good people? Or worse, you find the talent, but then they want you to pay them double what you have budgeted. Yeah, I know the feeling. This is where remotely talents can help. Imagine having a personal HR team that finds you A plus talent, and here's the best part, it costs you 40 or even 80% less than US employees. It's magic. So let's say you need help with setting up your social ads, your Google ads, email marketing, website development, customer service. Their team sources the top Ukrainian talent for you and they deliver three top vetted candidates straight to your inbox. It's a one-time payment and best yet, they give you a 60-day guarantee to ensure you're happy. Hey, if it doesn't work out, they'll find and replace the talent for free. Even better, 3% of all sales go to the Children's Hospital in Ukraine. At Growth Head, our agency, we've hired four people from Ukraine. I am blown away by the level of work we're getting. So whether you need a virtual assistant or a creative director, give this a try. Go to remotelytalents.com right now and start a conversation. See if they can help you. You really have nothing to lose.